Hello everyone, it's Takuya here and welcome to the History of Everything podcast YouTube channel. And on today's episode, I'm going to be telling you that the History Channel's Viking show is, well, inaccurate, in case you didn't somehow get that from the title that I was putting in here already. But I mean, yeah, okay, boom, there we go. Uh, I guess everything that needed to be said has been said. Uh, video over, I think we're done here. Thank you for watching, like, comment, subscribe, it's over. See you later. But no, seriously, this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while because I remember distinctly back in the mid 2010s when I was in college and I first started trying to watch Vikings because that's when that show came out. Because I mean, come on, guys, I love history. I love conflict. I love action and battles and all the different kinds of stuff that's associated with the Viking age. So really, what's not to love about a series like this? This should be great, right? Well, no, the thing is, at the time, I just couldn't really seem to pick up the series and entirely watch it through. That just wasn't something that I was capable of doing. There were always things about it that would bother me, things that would throw me off, and I just couldn't really put it into words at the time. But now, years later, at the request of a lot of you that are watching all this and have liked, commented, and subscribed, and done everything else that really helps my videos in the algorithm, which yes, okay, thank you for that, I really appreciate it, I went ahead and dove in fully into the series, and my god, was there just a lot more than I had initially anticipated. But anyway, let's dive into it. For anyone who is unfamiliar with what I am talking about, the previous trailer that I showed here is from Vikings. That is a historical drama or historical fiction TV series that ran from like 2013 all the way through 2020. And it's a show that was written by Michael Hurst of the History Channel and would appear on the Canadian Network. And filmed in Ireland, the show goes and draws on a lot of Scandinavian European history and lore as it follows the legendary Viking chief Ragnar Lothbrok, his descendants, the kings and rulers and fighters, and all the other individuals that you would associate with this family, and is largely influenced from the Viking Age of the 8th century and 9th century. Now, since the show premiered in the first place, there's always been questions as to whether or not it's authentic, it's accurate. There's a lot of different questions that go into it that in many cases are not answered well. And there's a good reason for that, considering that we're talking about the History Channel and the track record that it has in recent years, because I'm sure that we're all familiar with what has really gone down with the History Channel. Now, I'm telling you this right now, I grew up watching the History Channel, that, Animal Planet, to all the variety of stuff that you would have seen on early cable television in the 90s and early 2000s that I, I just, I, I loved. And initially, when the network was created, it was originally focused on history-based social science documentaries as well as the news. Like, it was some really good stuff. But then what happened, it talks about right here, is that during the late 2000s, history pivoted into reality television programming. And in addition to this change in format, the network has been criticized by many scientists, historians, and skeptics for broadcasting pseudo-documentaries and pseudoscientific, unsubstantiated, sensational investigative programming. And that's just talking about things that we would have seen in, say, actual documentaries, not television shows that specifically were designed to entertain people from the very beginning. Over time for this channel, education became a far second place to entertainment, which that was the significantly bigger thing in order to be able to bring in dollars. But hey, you know, I guess anything to chase those views and get those clicks, am I right? I feel like at this moment I need to stare into the camera in a very long and drawn out shot, because that's kind of how things work with YouTube, but guys, I promise you I'm not going to get that bad. Anyway, the focus of today's video that we're talking about today is Vikings, not me, so I need to get off of that track here really quick. Over the course of the series, although there are many characters in Vikings that are in fact based off of historical characters, and there are a number of events that are depicted in here that we do really see happen in history, simultaneously there are a lot of departures throughout this entire series that drastically change a lot of stuff that we know from historical fact. In order to create a more more solid and engaging narrative and a great story, historical events have a tendency to be combined 
to be skipped over entirely, to be compressed, or to just be altered in some way that really doesn't make sense, but it's done specifically for the story in order to be able to make it more conducive to an audience, I guess. Now, I really can't be mad about this exactly because this is a natural process of storytelling, and it, you're going to see this no matter what kind of medium you look at. Whether it is something that is being adapted from a book, from a game, from a movie, to television show, like whenever something transfers from one form of media or type of thing into another, you're going to end up seeing the same kind of thing happen. So I can't really be mad about that. It's sad in many cases, but also in many cases, it's natural. It's what you're going to see happen. But when we are talking about things in Vikings, a number of these altered historical events just seem to really make no sense as to why they would structure it like that, or are just very weird and unnecessary. Like, as an example of one of the things that they change outright is that in Season 1, the main character that you are primarily going to be following over the course of this beginning is Ragnar, as in Ragnar Lothbrok, who is a legendary Viking chief from the sagas, and we're following specifically his story, though there are events such as the raid upon Lindisfarne, like that big historical event in 793 AD. This, mind you, is is a real event that did occur, sort of. We're going to kind of explain that here in a second. And then if we go ahead and skip in time to season three, you see another character, another one of the main characters, Rolo, who is offered land and also the princess Gisla in marriage in order to be able to defend West Francia from future Viking raid. Now, I've brought these two events up specifically, but why is it that these things are weird? Well, if we're talking about that original Viking attack upon Lindisfarne, there is no actual Viking chief or leader that is ever named during this, just that historically, the Vikings attacked this, which then began the Viking Age, so to speak. Again, keep that in mind, 793 AD. On the other hand, the deal that is brokered between Charles the Simple of West Francia and Rollo, the Viking chief, that is something that ended up occurring in 911 AD. And in the show, Rollo and Ragnar are brothers. Obviously, this is not accurate at all. We know that this is not accurate at all. And by any account, if these events are at all related, considering how messed up the timeline is, that is putting them at being over 100 years apart, but simultaneously sibling. It really makes no sense. But hey, perhaps the legendary skincare and hygiene were just that good. You know, the stuff that the Anglo-Saxons were writing down about the Vikings that was really pissing them off. God, okay, that was probably a really bad joke. For anyone who doesn't get what I'm talking about, there's all different kinds of stories of of Anglo-Saxon writers, specifically monks and other people, who are getting mad at the fact that the Vikings who live among them, like these Norsemen, that they bathe regularly in public like once a week, and this is scandalous. The fact that they comb their hair and take care of themselves just makes them look too pretty to the Anglo-Saxon women, and that is something that the monks really don't like. But hey, you know what, I, I jest, I jest. But if we're seriously talking the history of the character Rollo, who is based off the actual historical figure of Rollo, or rather the Grand Norwegian historical figure Rolf, who was a Viking leader who would end up becoming the Duke of Normandy. This is the guy who is regarded as being the first Norse leader to settle in Francia, and he is the guy who would continue to rule over the territory in Normandy until at least around 928 AD. His descendants are the ones who would end up being known as the Normans, and they're the guys who would go on to conquer England. Remember William the Conqueror? Yeah, Rollo is actually the great, great, great grandfather of William the Conqueror, the guy who would become known as William the First of England, and that means that the Viking chief Rollo is one of the ancestors of the present-day British royal family. That is a line that has continued down this entire time for almost a thousand years at this point. Actually, in that case, we're talking about William the Conqueror. If you want to consider going back to being actual nobility in terms of European-ness, I guess, then we're talking more like 1200. No, 1100. Damn it, I can't do math. Rollo is a guy who was born in 846 AD, but he would die in the year 930. So not only was he not Ragnar's brother, that was not a thing at all, he didn't know 
know Ragnar in real life. Like, there's no way that that could have happened. But he simultaneously gets included in historical events that he was never involved in in the first place. Like, stuff that occurred way before he was ever born. But that's not the weirdest part of all this. Ragnar Lothbrok, the guy who was the main focus in seasons 1 through 5, may not have ever even existed at all in the first place. Or if he did, then he is certainly not as presented in the series. The character that we understand to be Ragnar is the hero of the Icelandic epic saga of Ragnar Lothbrok, which is from the 13th century AD, made like three or four hundred years after all of this went down in the first place. This is a guy who over the course of the story would slay dragons and encounter all different kinds of other mythical creatures and things that he would be faced with and challenged. In what are some pretty crazy and wild adventures, you could almost consider this to be like another case of like the Odyssey or the Iliad in the case of Homer in like ancient Greek lore, but for Vikings in this case with Ragnar. If Ragnar did actually exist, then it seems more likely that the story that is created for him is actually a combination of several different characters in history, but we don't really have any way of proving that. Like the present scholarly consensus about this whole thing seems to be that the legendary Ragnar was probably based on another Viking leader called Reganera, or Reganfred. There's a number of different names for how we could potentially pronounce this guy, but this is a person from the 9th century AD. And the only thing that that guy is really known for is the Siege of Paris, which occurred in 845 AD. So the character that we're talking about over the course of the series does share a number of similar characteristics to that particular legendary hero, but there are significant changes that are made specifically to the story in order to be able to, again, combine and condense and everything that they do for it. Like, okay, I'm not going to show it here because I'm not exactly sure what kind of limitations I would have here on YouTube to display it in the first place. But what happens in the saga is that he invades Britain once and then ends up getting killed by King Ayla of Northumbria. And this is done by him being thrown into a pit of snakes, kind of as it does depict in the show, which again, for anyone who is bothered by things like this or from whatever limitations I have here on YouTube, I'm not going to just display that because I don't want the series or this video to be taken down. So he doesn't have nearly as many adventures there as like what it would show in the show. He never goes and creates a settlement in Britain, nor does he ever have any actual interaction with the King of Wessex. That's just, that's not something that occurs in the first place. Oh, and don't worry, I know right now you're probably looking at this helmet right here and all the other stuff that it has depicted for the armor and you're probably having a little fit. Trust me, we are going to get to that, but there's still more of the other stuff to talk about. God damn it, this, this chess piece, what the hell is, you know what? No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. That's for later. There's a reason why I created an outline for this of the stuff that I would need to talk about. Okay, so another thing that happens is that in season three, you have Quinnereth of Mercia who goes and hires Ragnar and his men as mercenaries in order to fight her uncle and restore her to power. So she gets new soldiers. But the thing is, Quinnereth of Mercenary, but the thing is, Quinnereth of Mercia doesn't actually exist. She's in fact a almost entirely fictionalized character that is created by combining three other different women from history. There's the Princess Quinnereth of the 9th century AD, but then there's also Queen Cinerinth, who is from like the 8th century. Again, I'm probably even mispronouncing the names because at this point we're getting into a lot of names that are, you know, Nordic or Anglo-Saxon and the stuff can get confusing at times. But also then the daughter of Queen Cinereth, which is Ed Edber. Ed, Ed, Edber. How the hell would I even begin to pronounce this? You all see what it is that I'm talking about here. If there's anyone in the comments right now that wants to let me know exactly how it is that I would say this, please, for the love of God, tell me because doing the research for this entire thing, a lot of the names really bothered me. But the thing is, the character that you would see here for Queen Quinnereth, that is something that is made of a combination of these three different women who were famed for being capable of a lot of scheming and um, duplicitous things that they were capable of doing in order to achieve and maintain power. At least that is the legend that is associated specifically with them. And then there's that really big scene in which the raids on Paris occur, or rather I say that it's more like the raid on Paris because what the series does that I talked about earlier with combination is that it combines the raids of 845 AD and 885 AD 
into one singular event, but with a lot of different factors that just completely change what historically happened. Like, th th there's no real semblance of fact with these. Like, Regan Harris, the guy that we were talking about earlier that Ragnar is based off of, it seems, when he had arrived for the 845 AD raid, what he found was a city that was pretty much abandoned. There was no big defense, there was no severe wealth, there wasn't really anything that they could do, because he and his men, upon coming across the city, found that it was being struck by dysentery. Which, for anyone who's unfamiliar with that, I am very limited with what I can show on here, but I just want anyone to understand here that when we're talking about diseases and deaths and all different kinds of horrible things that have happened in history, unfortunately for most people that are Viking adherents to the idea of dying in battle and thinking how great and glorious it can be, or that's how most soldiers in history would die, no, you're wrong. The majority of deaths that have occurred in history have been from disease when talking about things for war, and the number one killer of men throughout history in army camps was bad water or food that would lead to dysentery or crapping yourself to death. So in other words, Paris probably smelled even worse at this time than it does in today's day and age, as the entire city was already in the throes of crapping itself to death. So yeah, if it hadn't been for the fact that historically Charles the Bald, the ruler of France at the time, had offered to pay the Vikings at this point to go away, then nothing would have ever really happened from this in the first place. Hell, rather than actual combat, more of Regenerus's men ended up dying from dysentery than literally anything else over the course of this journey. Which, I don't know about you, but guys, I do not think that the Valkyries would look very kindly upon a man who shot himself to death. Uh, I don't think they're getting into Valhalla anytime soon with that track record. So yeah, if we fast forward around 40 odd years or so, in 885 AD, the Vikings were not actually able to breach the walls of the city, and it was defended as it was in the series you can see by Count Odo. But then there is that Gisla character, the daughter of the king in this show, and you have this whole scene where as the Vikings are attacking, she is rallying the men to defend Paris, and no, my god, that did not happen. Not, not like at all. This person was only a young girl at the time that the siege occurred, probably only between 5 to 10 or maybe 15 years old max. So no, she did not rally the troops or do any kind of fighting or anything that would have been depicted in this show for her. She was not this type of character at all. Which, on that note, I really do not want to harp on this particular detail because I know this is something that is done time and time again and it can probably verge this video into being another type of video that makes me very uncomfortable. But the details that it shows in here where it has women warriors that are constantly fighting over the course of the series are just, I don't even know how to begin to explain it. But we have covered how in modern Hollywood there is this issue where there are many more depictions of women being warriors in ways that are just simply not accurate or not realistic or anything for that matter. For anyone who is watching this, I am really sorry to disappoint you, but that concept that we would see in history of the shield maiden within Viking lore, well that is something that is based off of Scandinavian folklore and myth. There is not a single credible source, literally nothing that we have that ever shows women fighting together as warriors as a group. Like, that is not something that we see when it comes to Viking. We do have stories of individuals, and there are examples of individual female warriors all across the world throughout history, so please don't think that is something that is impossible to happen, but the way that it's depicted and presented in the show just is not realistic at all. Like, we do have archaeological evidence that proves that a number of women would take part in some raids and battles, that this is probably something that did occur at points, but this is more than likely an exceptionally rare occurrence, not like what it's showing. And most historians are going to say that their role in battle was probably exceptionally limited. Thus, the character that we can see in this show, Lagertha, well, although she is exceptionally skilled in this and what it depicts, she's more than likely just a hyper-fictionalized representation of Scandinavian myth and the idealized version of a shield maiden that's just not realistic. Anyway, as I said, I'm not going to harp on that too much. That is something that you see depicted countless numbers of times in Hollywood productions, but that if I go far too into it, this is going to become an entirely different type of video. 
video. Either way, when we're talking about the actual historical character of Rollo of Norway, this is a guy who, as I said, has no relation whatsoever to Ragnar Lothbrok and was not present at the raid with Regeneris in 845 AD. That's not something that happened. But he would participate in the 885 AD siege and he would end up forging a contract with King Charles the Simple, would marry his daughter, and found Norway in 911 AD. That is something that does happen. God, again, I said I wasn't going to harp on it, but you get to the battle scene and you look at the actual shield wall and you see the women inside of it holding formation with like, come on, in a shield wall, if you are actually going to be meeting the enemy in a strength contest of pushing, you're not going to be having women in the front line holding the damn shield. It's like, damn it, it's just it just seems like this that I look at it and go, what the hell? That it just it doesn't physically make sense. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not harping. I'm no, no, no. It's it's fine. It's fine, guys. Fine. Hey everyone, Sakuya here, and before we get back to the show, I would just like to thank today's sponsor, eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Fine, promise. Oh, and speaking of the inaccuracies that we are going to see in battle, because that is something that over the course of this entire series, there is quite a lot of. There, there's a lot wrong with a lot of different battles. There's one particular thing that tends to bother me that we see over here, and that is that over the course of the series, there are a lot of different scenes of civilians being attacked, which, yes, it's true, and especially over the course of history, everyone is going to end up getting wrapped up into conflict, particularly when it comes with things like raids, and you have different cultures that are clashing over certain areas. All different kinds of civilians, women, children, all of these things would be slaughtered. But the scene that you can see behind me here is when Aethelwolf, a Christian, and Christian forces would go in and attack a Viking settlement that is in Wessex. And it does not really make sense as to why this would be a thing here. And I'm going to go ahead and explain why. Like, this is bad. It is a particularly bad portrayal of a kind of settlement raid during this time period. Because do you see these forces of these Christian, I'm not even going to call them knights because it's like proto-knights, if anything. But these horsemen that are on horseback, they're able to move in in rapid speed and attack this village. Well, normally something along these lines should not be possible when it came to settlements, particularly Viking settlements, because they would always have defenses. 
It's really weird that the History Channel would portray things like this, like Viking warriors coming in, settling down, creating settlements, and then creating no kind of security for them whatsoever. It's just a bunch of indefensible villages spread out in the open, no stockade, no fencing, no anything. Like, the only fencing that you can see in any of these scenes is when it's stuff for, like, goats and other animals. There's not even any towers that you would be able to have in order to be able to spot an enemy that is coming at you, something that was not done in medieval times. You have to remember, at the time this exists, it's not just the Vikings that are fighting, right? You have the Vikings and you have the Christians, but the Christians themselves are split into many different smaller kingdoms that are constantly fighting one another. Which means that villages were their own little fortified areas that specifically would have defenses to block potential invaders from being able to come in. This is a hallmark creation of something going into the early medieval period because of how unstable society was at the time. And when you go and consider that in this situation that the Vikings were the ones who were the invaders, they were the one who were coming in and taking over territory, they would surround the settlements that they set up with different kinds of defenses. Digging trenches to create a moat, sharpen stakes around the edges, and everything within the settlements that they created were very well organized specifically in order to be able to defend from outside attacks. Archaeologists to this day are still digging up settlements within Britain. Yet for whatever reason, the way that the History Channel portrays this entire thing is like, oh yeah, these guys came in, took over, and then just took no precautions whatsoever because they're totally peaceful and justified in everything they're doing, I guess, right? So there's no way that a hostile population that they're fighting against would definitely go against them at this time, right? Honestly, in my opinion, this is one of the things that is actually pretty bad and could have been way better demonstrated by, say, individual raiders, like in this case of a small cavalry force, going out and raiding farms or things like that on the outskirts, burning the stuff around a settlement while people try to retreat inside. That's definitely something that, if it showed that, would be significantly better, but you need the drama of the situation, I guess. Anyway, another thing that is weird is that what the Viking show does is that it depicts a temple to Odin at Uppsala as being this kind of wooden stave church in the mountains. Which is entirely incorrect, the historical temple that is being referenced here in the first place was actually located on flat land. And the stave churches, like what you see right here, this was not anything that was a part of traditional Nordic paganism or anything like that. This is a stave church of Christ. Like this was a Christian temple. And we're talking of something that is potentially hundreds of years earlier than what it actually was in history. These stave churches were a hallmark of Christian architecture from like the 11th century onward. Now, that being said, there is a degree of truth in this in the sense that it is probable that a lot of the different stave churches were constructed on what was originally Nordic holy grounds. Because prior to the arrival of Christianity, when it came to religious matters in this place, you didn't really have necessarily a large house of worship. Instead, because of how in touch with nature everything was, you would usually have religious ceremonies outside, in the open air, in sacred groves among trees, trees which were very sacred and important to the Nordic religion. Just as a little side note, because I feel like I have to put this in here, but I really love stave churches. I think that these things are incredibly cool. And unfortunately, a lot of these have not been kept around. By the beginning of the 19th century, a lot of the stave churches in Norway had disappeared. And this only got worse because in 1851, a law was passed in Norway that said that any churches had to be able to accommodate 30% of the population that they were staying in or residing in, that they were built in, these kinds of things. So due to rapid population growth in certain areas, stave churches, which in the way they were constructed being smaller, were not able to accommodate this. So over time, especially past that point, they began to rapidly disappear across the country. Luckily, some people sought to preserve some, which is why 20 odd different ones are left still in Norway to this day. But no, 
stave churches were not pagan temples. No, that that that's not the case. This is probably all that I'm going to say on the simple story side of things, because the amount of things that are combined that are embellished or changed in some way are more than I can count. And if I try to go through every single little detail that is presented in the show of stuff that is combined specifically just for the sake of storytelling, I'm going to be talking for hours and I would have to go episode by episode. And that is not the purpose of this video. It would take simply way too damn long. My bigger issue with the series as a whole is how it depicts things, the settings, the people. Often all these details are annoying at best and stupid at worst. And we're going to get into this as I'm going to try and splice through all these different scenes that show exactly what it is that I'm talking about on where it's just bad. Mind you, the things that I'm going to be talking about in here are not necessarily a curse of just Vikings. This is a problem with modern Hollywood as a whole showing any kind of thing historically that it just really doesn't make sense. Any amount of logic immediately begins to break immersion in it. Like, honestly, if you're a historical fan of Vikings just as a concept, then I'm sure that all of you are probably aware that the horned helmets of old are, are not actually a thing like that. That's not a thing at all. And so from that, we should feel some relief that in the Viking show, it is not depicting any kind of Norse raiders who are wielding these kinds of helmets on their heads as that would just look ridiculous, like something out of the early 1900s or late 1800s play. The horned Viking helmets that we can see from artwork and other kinds of production, this is stuff that was more than likely simply done as a kind of religious ceremony object, this sort of thing. But in the series, it does something that, in my opinion, is arguably even worse, because at the very least, if they were wielding these helmets, then that meant that they would have been wearing helmets in the first place. The big trap that the series falls into is that in most cases in battle, you do not see anyone on the Viking side wearing helmets quite literally at all. Like, look at this. Look at this. There are records. There are records, of course, of people going into battle with little to no armor, specifically in order to be able to move quicker. This is something that does make sense. But that is armor in the sense of what they would be wearing for a heavy male piece or something on their chest. But even in situations where people did not wear armor, they would still wear helmets as helmets were the things necessary to protect the most vital part of their body, their head. Like, think about this logically. Think about this logically here for a second. Here we are looking at a scene that is the raid of Paris. It is a siege. They are climbing ladders specifically in order to be able to attack enemies on the wall. Okay, you are climbing up a wall. You're climbing up a wall. Your head is right here. The enemy is directly above you with a heavy rock or a bow or a crossbow or a spear or literally anything that could just reach down and brain you. Under what circumstance are you going to be doing something like this and not be wearing a helmet? Like usually what ends up happening in Hollywood productions is that you would typically see soldiers still wearing helmets. But if it's a main character or anyone like that, like a noble or a leader, someone who's important that you want to be able to recognize, you may not have them wear helmets specifically in order to be able to show off their face and the actor that is playing them. That's to a degree understandable, even if it's bad. But then you see scenes like this throughout the entire series where it's not just the main characters. It's quite literally everyone in it. Like I got to give them props for at least the consistency in that regard because it doesn't make sense as to why the person who would easily be able to afford armor is not wearing armor, but you see scenes like this and it's infuriating. As I said, the helmet was such a prized piece of armor that it was oftentimes the first piece that was obtained and prioritized. That is the one that you wanted to get first. If you were a warrior and you had the option of only wearing a singular piece of armor, you would be wearing a damn helmet. If you look at the historical depictions and art of Vikings in history, then what you're going to see is that even in situations where it depicts them only wearing a tunic and not actually any kind of male or 
thicker armor, then they are still going to be depicted wearing helmet. That is something that you will still see. In general, Vikings are not going to be doing this. Which, oh, on that note, that's probably another thing that I should be talking about, but one of the most infuriating parts about this entire series is how consistently they keep on referring to each other as Vikings. Like, if I recall correctly, that's a bigger issue that I remember from the sequel series of this, Vikings Valhalla, but that's that's an entirely other big load of crap thing that I'm going to need to tackle at some point here in the future, because as much as I rag on the stuff with Vikings now, it is nothing, nothing in comparison to what you would see of the Vikings Valhalla series from Netflix, because you all know how well Netflix does in that regard. But consistently, over the course of the series, characters constantly refer to each other on the Norse side as Vikings. They're constantly calling themselves Viking. But during the Viking Age, the people of Denmark, of Norway, of Sweden, all these different groups, they spoke a language that we would call Old Norse. And of course, depending upon the region that you are in, you're going to have regional variances to that particular language. But there is no historical evidence whatsoever. We don't have anything that tells us that they would refer to each other as Viking. Like, Viking was not something that you could ethnically identify someone as. But over the course of the entire series, you just see characters constantly proudly referring to themselves and each other as Vikings. We are Vikings. We Vikings can do this. Us Vikings never give up. Like some weird friendship is magic thing you could almost say. Except with a lot more blood and guts, to be fair. Mind you, there are various theories as to how exactly the word Vikings came to exist in the first place, such as that it is a verb that means to go raiding, to go a Viking. But there really is no credible historical source that can exactly verify what Vikings called themselves. After all, there are a lot of different groups with varying different rulers that ruled over them with different terminology depending upon your region. What scholars and historians do know for a fact is that the people that the Vikings invaded, such as, you know, when we're talking about the Saxons, the Anglo-Saxons, the Franks, all these different groups, that these individuals would refer to them as things like the Nords, the Norsemen, the Northmen, or the Danes. Danes at this point was like a catch-all term that could be applied to pretty much anything Scandinavian, as was oftentimes used in the British Isle. In reality, the thing is, the word Viking only really became popular worldwide for the first time during the Romantic era in the 19th century. This being when people who were studying Vikings and like Viking Age things, well, that, that was all the rage in this Romantic time period, particularly in places like Austria and Germany and other places like that. Hell, it might even sound nitpicky, but on the topic of language, over the course of the series, the characters are constantly using like the name England when they're referring to the British Isles, but that is also not true. It's not true in multiple senses of the word, because not only did the Vikings invade other places such as Scotland and Ireland, in fact, Ireland would become one of the largest bases of operation specifically of the Vikings. That's quite literally where the city Dublin comes from. But at the time that the show takes place, England itself did not exist. That wasn't a thing. No one would refer referred to it as England. Over this course of time, as the Vikings were invading the land, the entire region was split up into varying kingdoms that were constantly fighting one another in order to be able to take over territory. So when the Vikings invaded, they took over spots in Northumbria, they took over spots in Anglia, they took over all this territory. So I mean, if they wanted to say that they were invading Anglia rather than England, which, you know, Angli that that's where that would come from, like the Angles, because England, it, okay, that's an entire other history lesson right there, but you get what it is that I mean. It's just, it's nitpicky, but it it bothers me. The whole thing just doesn't look or sound right. Oh, and speaking of looking right, there's a complete other issue that I have neglected to talk about here that I meant to talk about much earlier in the show, but I had to talk about story. Specifically, fashion and depiction of character. God, where the hell do I even begin with this? The clothing that a lot of the characters that you see here wear over the course of the series are just entirely inaccurate. Like, as an example of this, when you look at a lot of the men, 
you will see things that look like leather jackets and pants that they would not have been wearing, not in comparison to the stuff like good stout woolens, things that would have helped to keep them warm. Which, okay, we can't exactly expect in any kind of historical series that they're going to use entirely age-specific clothing. Like, that's not something that you can reasonably expect. I get it, and I'm not going to harp on that exactly. But they could have tried a little bit harder in terms of using things that were actual, you know, wool or cloth, things that would make sense to have been wearing in a cold environment, instead of wearing something that makes them look more instead like a skinhead biker gang. Like, seriously, what is over the course of the series with the amount of leather that is depicted? This is insane. I feel like I'm harping back on that whole thing with leather armor in the first place when we were talking about Cleopatra. But this is even worse because it's not even armor. It's just regular clothing. It's just guys going around wearing goddamn leather pants. And yes, by the way, you heard me correctly when I said skinhead biker. That really seems to be a lot of the depiction that it has of these Viking types in the show. The amount of times that we see Vikings that are depicted with like fully or partially shaved heads makes no sense whatsoever. And it's done here specifically, it seems, in order to make them look more intimidating. That and also simultaneously having modern tribal tattoos that are covering the exposed skin in different areas of their body, in particular around their face and heads, you know, where it's very prominent and very easily be seen. But this is a little bit odd considering that we're talking about the people of Scandinavia. Like, I don't know if any of you all have ever been to or seen pictures of Scandinavia, like Norway, Sweden, Denmark and all the other places around there, but um, the place can get exceptionally cold, like very, very, very cold. And so as a result of this, and you can see a lot of it from the art, people had a tendency to grow out their hair and facial hair, something that would have definitely helped them protect each other from the cold. The Norse were in fact very famous for their long and well-kept hair, something that, as I said earlier, really did annoy a lot of the Christian monks that were writing about them, because it was making the women feel things, apparently. And so the depictions that you would see here of like entirely shaven heads or partially shaved heads, all the stuff to really help them look more intimidating, I guess, to a modern audience. Yeah, th that is that is not something that you would have seen at this time here. It's just it looks weird, if anything. But OK, all right. At this point, I think I've gone on a little bit of a decent amount of a rant about all things Norse. There is an entire other side to the show that we really haven't talked about much yet. The Christian side of things, if you will. I said that I would come back to it, but come on, what the absolute hell? So in the land of Wessex, right, right, the land of King Egbert's rule, you can see soldiers that are wearing helmets that not only did they not exist in England at this time period, right? Like that, that, that's not a thing. But these are Italian helmets, Italian helmets from 700 years later in the Renaissance period. Like I can understand when we are looking at things and thinking, okay, okay, maybe a 100, 200 year difference. Maybe it's not something that's going to be all that severe because it's still going to be relatively similar. But the sheer scope of difference between the metallurgy required for creating these types of helmets and their presentation versus the armor that each person is utilizing in like the form of mail or whatever leather bullshit ends up getting depicted here is awful and makes no sense. I mean, again, we're talking about armor that would not come into existence for 700 more years and was popular in Renaissance era Florence, Italy. It's this weird combination at times of like poorly constructed lamellar and simultaneously metallurgy that is way, way, way more advanced than what they were capable of at this time. Every single time I would see depiction of soldiers that are 
English soldiers, if you will, or at least are soldiers of one of the little English kingdoms, it always just looks so off. I mean, hell, at the very least, when we're talking about scenes from the Battle of Paris and they're attacking the French, when you look at them, they're wearing more like padded leather cloth along with a conical helmet, a Spagen helm, like something that would have had a nose guard that would have gone down over their face to help protect them, and is thus significantly better in its construction and presentation. This looks realistic, you know? Not leather daddy Darth Vader helmet over here. Seriously, what? What, 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 what the hell is this? What, what is the point of this? And of course, on that note, because I was pulling this up, one of the final climactic scenes that you see of the show Vikings is the battle with the great heathen army, which is a whole thing in history that I'm probably going to do a future video on to kind of explain the context on properly. But remember the issue that I was talking about with armor and these Viking warriors running into battle, looking like a kind of hodgepodge force with no helmets whatsoever, women in the front lines of battle. And then when they actually go into battle, pull Pulling out their swords, because, you know, of course, the majority of them are armed with swords, which is also not something that would have happened. They quite literally go running into battle. No formation, no shape, no anything. Just mass hodge. Here's the main characters all in the front, not wearing any kind of helmets whatsoever. We're going to charge directly at the enemy line. God damn it. That is not how you would have seen things. At this point, I've gone on a little bit of a rant, and I, I've lost all semblance of control over myself talking about this issue. But I really do hate a lot of modern battle scenes is what it shows in his historical productions. And that's something that for future videos, I'm probably going to do a lot of battle analysis. Like I want to do a future one on what was it? The Battle of Winterfell for Game of Thrones? Simply awful. But as I said, the way that it's depicting things with Christians in the show is just bad at oftentimes and is wildly inaccurate in many areas. As an example of this, when we're talking about things in the series, a lot of things happen over the course of the second season. In particular, one of the events that you can see right here, which is Athelstan's crucifixion, which no matter how you are looking at this thing, this is not accurate. This is wrong. This is it, it makes no sense and is done specifically in order to make people look like monsters. I'm going to go ahead and skip out of that scene because I don't want this to be taken down by YouTube, but I want people to understand the context of what it is that I am talking about there. But Athelstan would actually not die from this event because luckily he would end up getting saved by King Egbert. But I still remember distinctly when this happened in the Viking show as it occurred in like what 2014 2015 something along those lines and how many people it pissed off when this happened because this scene of crucifixion is not only widely inaccurate as in it did not happen at this point but that is not something historically that would have happened at all. It is a insult to Christianity itself. Here's the reality of the situation. There is not a single record of crucifixion in the early church in Britain. Like th there is not a single one. And you would think that that is something that people would talk about if it occurred. This was not a punishment for apostates or anything like that. So, I mean, if you really think about this, why would you place an apostate? Why would you place a heathen, someone that you view as evil in the same kind of position as the person that you literally worship? This whole thing just does not make any kind of sense whatsoever. And as I said, there's not a single record of anything like this occurring. It just it, it looks bad. Another Christian character that they have in here that they just did completely dirty is Saint Ansgar, who in the show they predict as this young boy that is an absolute failure, which mind you, again, was not the case at all. If any of you have actually seen the series, you might have forgotten about this scene entirely. But here you have a young Christian missionary who ended up being executed after he failed to impress Queen Aslog in season three.
three. And this young man that you can see right here, this is Ansgar, who is easily one of the biggest, one of the most famous Christian missionaries throughout Christian history. And he is the guy who would end up organizing the hierarchy within the different Nordic countries, and from that would end up being regarded as the patron saint of Scandinavia. He was a hugely important and successful figure in Christian history for this. But no, over the course of the entire short scene that he's in, he is being mocked and derided the entire time. He has to prove himself and the power of his God, only for that to entirely fail. And so the writers decide to portray him as an absolute loser who ends up dying at a violent age instead of the very successful missionary career that he would end up having, where he would pass away at something like, what, the age of 60, 64? He would die peacefully and live for a very long time after a very successful career. Because obviously Vikings are the main characters of this show, you will know that the depiction that it has of Christians in it are not necessarily the best. But it's not nearly as bad as what you would see in the sequel series to this Vikings Valhalla, but that is an entire other beast itself that we would need to tackle at some later point in the future. It's just a lot of things that you see in here just end up being odd or outright wrong, and the battle scenes and other parts that you'll see in here are incredibly chaotic and make no sense and are poorly structured, and the costumes, and my god, I am going on a bigger rant about this than I need to. In the end, I'm going to leave you on this kind of note. While a lot of the inaccuracies that you see in the show may seem like things that are trivial or why you just shouldn't care because the entire thing is entertainment, the reality is that for a lot of people watching this, they're not going to be looking into things in history. So they're going to take a lot of what they see as face value because, oh, here's this depiction of this time and obviously these characters in history did this thing because it's not made up characters, we're using real characters from history or amalgamations of them. Creators want to make their shows more exciting and engaging for viewers. This is something that pretty much every kind of creator is going to do, whether on YouTube or in any other form of media. And oftentimes a lot of them are not necessarily going to take accuracy into consideration when presenting these things. But the thing is, regardless of its accuracy, I'm not going to tell you that Vikings is a bad show because it's not inherently a bad show. It is inaccurate and there are a lot of different parts in it that do infuriate me, but there are other scenes that are entertaining and fun and interesting and amusing. Whether or not this is something that is a deal breaker for you, that is entirely up to you, the viewer, to decide. All I could do is make a video explaining to you all the varying things in it that are entirely inaccurate or bad. But also, many people would enjoy the series in a way that they definitely didn't for Vikings Valhalla, which had significantly more controversy. But if that is something that you would like to see, then hey, please let me know down in the comment section below. Please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Do anything you can to help these videos in the algorithm. I am trying to do something very different here. I am trying to make videos that are longer and more engaging and do a lot more to cover particular topics rather than the short videos that I have. I don't really know what it is that has gone on in some cases because I could have some videos that will do phenomenally well and then I will have others that are killed by the algorithm and I don't really see what happens in them. So what I'm going to be trying to do now, my friends, is that I'm going to be making longer videos. You're probably going to be seeing things that are a minimum of 30 minutes maybe more around 40 or 45 minutes or even longer. So if there's any particular topics that you all would really like to see that you want to see me cover, please let me know in the comment section below because I really want to take your ideas into consideration. If there are any other aspects of pop culture or battles that need analysis or anything like that, then please let me know. I really do appreciate all of you and I really want this channel to be a success. So thank you everyone for watching and I will see you all next time. Goodbye everyone.